good morning, everybody, and God bless us all as we uh, as we are as we are gathered together to uh, to serve Him. Uh, we had a beautiful uh, preparation or introduction uh, uh, during this worship to uh, to arrive to this point of uh, of the reading of the Word of God and. Uh, uh, I'm glad that we have this opportunity today, and we're still, even though a little bit warmer than we should, we should want, uh, the weather is still uh, still fine, and and we can still enjoy uh, enjoy worshiping uh, God outside uh, in outdoors. So, we live in the time of battle. It's all over the place. It's all over around us. This is something that we can feel. Uh, I'm referring not to the battle that uh, we can see, the visible ones around us here, unfortunately, but also around the world. But I am referring to to in to the invisible, to the invisible battles that that we are part of. And there are two parties, as we know, there are two parties in this uh, in this battle. Devil on the other side. On one side, the initiator and the propagator of all the evil in all possible shapes and forms. And on the other side is God, uh, and, and, and uh, he found a way to uh, uphold love as a uh, founding principle of his reign, even on this planet that is affected by sin. And this battle that I'm referring to this morning refers to, it happens actually at two fronts. First one is personal. It's uh, inward, within us. There are things that we, uh, that we battle uh, within our, our own beings, things that, we, that are opposing to God's lo love and, and, and God's will and God's law. And um, human beings, and, and we also feel this experience, this battle at the outward level as well, where us following God's law and, and his will will cause some people to persecute us. So this is something that is, I'm sure, to uh, some extent greater or smaller experienced by all of us that are standing here. And these are the two choices that we have to follow either one of these parties or the other. We cannot stand on our own. And this battle is as old as this world that we know is old. And the choices and the choice to choose one of these two sides, one of these two parties, actually something that was extended to everybody. Everybody was offered this opportunity to choose whom they will serve, whom they will worship. And it will be offered to everybody until this planet is transformed and recreated to something that, that we are all hoping for. So the story that we will be studying, that we will be uh, uh, reading today, and I'm assuming that most of you know uh, the, uh, uh, the essence of this story and, and perhaps details of this story as well, but this story actually portrays that battle, that spiritual battle that we as an Adventist, we call great controversy. Um, but most importantly, 
it also is showing us and encouraging us to choose God, to stand on God's side, to choose Him as a leader. He is not because of He is powerful and He can do things for us. That's not the reason why we choose God. That's not the primary reason why we choose God. The primary reason why we choose God is the fact that He is a loving God. The fact that He deals with people, even those that He that, that, that are rejecting him, he deals with them in the most humane and loving, loving, loving way. So we worship him, we choose him because of what he is and who he is. Um, let's have a short prayer as we continue and we get into the text of this, uh, of this, uh, of the story for today. Father in heaven, we uh, we praise your name and. Uh, it is magnificent that you, the ruler of the universe, that we cannot grasp, we don't know how big it is, uh, but you, ruler of that universe, you come and you reside in our hearts and um, you deal with, uh, with troubles, with difficulties, with doubts that we, that, we, uh, that we face and you're willing to deal, um, deal with them at the personal level. Uh, individually with each human being on this planet. We praise you for this. And as we are um, studying this passage today and reading uh, from the Bible, from your word, we ask that you would illuminate our minds so that we can see truth, that we can see how loving you are. And uh, in the midst of the things that uh, do not look like uh, uh, expressions of love, uh, so uh, help us understand that and help us leave this place um, encouraged. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, if you would want to open your Bibles uh, to uh, 1 Kings um, 16, 17, and 18, I will be reading uh, 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 extract from each of these chapters, and, uh, and you can follow along. That would be good because... Um, it will just give you the chance to see where I am. So there, there was a, we are talking about today, we are talking about the encounter of two people, okay? One of them, uh, one of them decided to reject God, and the other one decided to hold on to God. The other one decided to, to follow God. In the midst of the circumstances that, that are very troubling, troubling uh, very... Uh, Difficult, very discouraging in order to lead us to, uh, to accept and follow God. So there was a series of events in Ahab's life. Okay, we're talking about Ahab this morning. And, and the northern kingdom, as you know, was uh, filled with all sorts of bad things, with all sorts of murders, all sorts of conspir uh, conspiring uh, and, and killing killing legally uh, accepted, uh, legally elected uh, kings. So uh, at one point, there was, a, there was a split within the northern kingdom, and there was a, uh, two camps. There were two camps, the Tibnis camp and the Omris camp, okay? So people were so separated that they uh, couldn't follow one leader, but they, they, they actually divided themselves to two groups. 
And of course, when you have two groups, there is always fight between two groups. So Omri's group prevails. Okay, so he becomes the king in Israel. And um, uh, let me just read from 1 Kings 16.25 about Omri. Okay, let's learn something new about Omri today. So Omri da, uh, did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he acted more uh, wickedly than all who were before him. For he walked in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and in his sins, which he, which he made Israel sin, provoking, provoking the Lord God of Israel with their idols. So we have a person who already decided that he will reject God. He will oppose, rebel God. He will not uh, follow God. And he gets, he gets a son, okay? And this is our, one of our main characters uh, for today. And this is Jacob. Jacob is coming from this line of uh, parents, and, um, and I'm sure that we know a lot about Jacob, uh, and uh, he was also evil as, as his dad. He's following the footsteps of his, his father, but not, not just that. I'm reading here in uh, uh, 1 Kings 16, uh, verse, what is it, 20, uh, 30, so it came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, his, uh, his, his grand, grandfather, then he, that he married Jezebel and the daughter of Etbal, king of the Sidonians, okay? And went to serve Baal and worshipped him. So he erected an altar um, for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Ahab also made the Asherah. Thus, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So, his father, his grand-grandfather Jeroboam, you remember him, and then his father Omri, and then he himself, Ahab, uh, they are going further and further away from God. And um, by the way, Ahab is one of the kings in Israel uh, whose existence, whose uh, presence was, uh, historicity was actually confirmed by outside uh, 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 writings. The, the famous Meshastela, um, um, uh, uh, it contains his name, and also the Shalmaneser III uh, has documented the presence, the historical presence of Ahab. However, the lesson is there for us just by following the sequence of events in Ahab's life. And this is our main, one of the main characters. And that is that everyone's life is going in one or the other possible ways. We either advancing and reflecting God's love, his goodness, his laws, or we are advancing in reflecting evil. There's no third way. And Ahab had a long history of advancing evil and rejecting true God. Um, chapter 17. And now, in chapter 17, there is an encounter between, between Ahab as one of the main characters and Elijah, right? Elijah, the second main character. Um, Elijah, if you are uh, Elijah Parks, if you are following us today, 
we greet you and all the, the entire Bayard family. Can we do that? Excellent. We greet you all. So Elijah, Elijah in chapter 17 begins the following. Now Elijah the Tibish, uh, Tishbite, who was one of the settlers of Gilead, uh, said to Ahab, okay, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be no there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So we know that in the ancient times, kings were extremely powerful figures within, within their kingdoms, okay? And they were uh, 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 often not uh, confronted when they would do something that is not legal because of the power of their influence. So. Elijah, Elijah, he is confronting this king and uh, 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 pinpointing the things that, that, that will actually revealing to him what will be God's response to the uh, uh, constant rebellion uh, uh, in, in Ahab's, in Ahab's uh, life. So Elijah, he appears here when we see uh, Ahab as being at the peak of his power, at the peak of, 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 of expressing what he wants for the country and whose God he wants to serve. So here, at the peak of his display of what he wants, God sends Elijah. And Elijah means Yahweh, God, is my God. So Elijah comes here to confront him, and it is very, in a very dramatic way, he claims that there will be no rain and until he says, says so. And we can uh, easily conclude that the reason why he is referring to the rain and why he, why he said that there will be no rain is because Baal was God of rain by other things. So it is right there in the, uh, in the theological and spiritual arena, arena of God Baal himself that Elijah comes and he stands in the name of God of Israel, of the true heavenly God. And um, Elijah determines to attack Baalism right there. And, um, and of course, there is, a, there, is a challenge, there, is, there is a challenge that is in the background of Elijah's statement that God is stronger, that God will be actually uh, uh, be able to, is stronger, that he is over, over Baal, over God Baal. And, um, and then Elijah, after this short statement, disappears, Okay we know what would happen had he stayed, right? He would be executed right away. But God, God removed him from the public, okay, from the public life. And then uh, after the encounter of these two representatives of two powers, of two characters that are present in this world and that are ruling this world, uh, there is a series of events which reveal something else. Okay, first of all, Elijah was removed from the public, and um, 
especially from, uh, from Ahab. And then he drinks water from the brook, and he was fed by ravens uh, that were bringing him water, I mean, uh, bread and meat, right? Every day. Um, how many of you have observed ravens? Uh, can we say that ravens are gracious birds? They would share food with everybody? No, exactly, Eva. So ravens are actually very self-oriented, all right? So they would, never, they would never share food with anybody. But everything in this, in this event, in these chapters, from this, from this encounter on, will be telling us as readers, there is something that's beyond of your comprehension that is happening here. So every day, these ravens, these selfish, self-oriented uh, ravens, they are coming and they are feeding, actually, Elijah. The brook eventually dried up, not because God was not able to provide water, but because there was another mission that was to take place in this chapter and in the life of Elijah. So God told Elijah, go northward. And you know where he came? Does anybody know where he came? North, 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 which is the, which is the, 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 the south of our country here. So he come here into Sarepta, right? And he, he doesn't want to go to the people that he can, that, 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 that can host him no problems, right? There were rich people everywhere. So there were some rich people in this place also. But he doesn't go there. He goes and he sees this poor widow that is collecting perhaps her last meal before she says, I don't have anything else to eat and I will die, but I will let me prepare this last meal. And then, I, I don't want to focus on these little stories, it's a beautiful story, but Elijah saves her, saves her son, actually resurrects his son, uh, and then, uh, and, 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 and stays with her for some time. Also, to witness one more miraculous intervention of God. And that was that the flour and the oil will not cease. Will not cease. Finally, um, after these events, uh, we go to uh, chapter 18. And uh, uh, I will read chapter, uh, chapter 18, verses uh, 1 through 2. Now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Jacob, and as I will send, and as I, I will send rain on the face of the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Jacob. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. So when you have a, an end of the clause in, in, in biblical narratives, and, and you have this addition that is giving you extra insights into the circumstances that were communicated in the text. That means that that was very, very intense. Otherwise, it wouldn't be mentioned at all. So the, 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 famine, the famine was severe in Samaria at that time. And uh, the effect of the constant rejection of God and his laws were severe in the land. In 
um, in the event of famine or any sort of resources shortage, the, king pal the king's palace would be the last place that would be affected by these shortages, right? Something like that we can see here in our own midst, right? So some people are affected, but not all people are affected. So, but it was so severe that the king sends his servant to look for water in the land because the, 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 the shortage of resources was felt so much even in the palace. And now you know the story that, that uh, it's a beautiful story um, about um, um, Obadiah, the, the, the servant, the top servants, servant in the Elijah's palace. And, uh, and he is he's serving the Lord faithfully in the midst of Elijah's reign, in the midst of Elijah's, um, I'm sorry, Ahab's rejection and a rebellion against God. Obadiah is there and serving God. But I will skip this. Um, I will skip this story because um, I really want to go uh, back to, to, what we, um, to what we want to emphasize this morning. So, and in verse 17 of chapter, of chapter 18, we see that Elijah, uh, Ahab, and Elijah, they face each other again. Okay, again, again, for the second time, they face each other. Now, there was a little uh, detail that took place in the last about three years, and that was a fulfillment of what Elijah said that it will be, it will take place, and that is the drought. So now they face again, and um, um, you would, we would expect that uh, um, Jacob would say, hey, um, uh, perhaps I'm wrong. I have uh, three years of, uh, of, 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 of constant daily evidence that, that I'm wrong, okay? Um, please pray for me. Uh, please, uh, I, for, I, I want to admit my sins to God. Uh, help me do that, okay? We live in the time of the priesthood, strong emphasis on the priesthood and and. and, and and mediate, uh, sacrifice is being a mediator between God and, and, and his people. So, and people in general. So, but no, no. Uh, Ahab is still in that mindset, but even more determined to reject and even more re determined to, um, to um, rebel against God. So, in verse 17, we read, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? He said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed the Baals. And one fact emerges as we are reading uh, this dialogue between, um, uh, uh, between Elijah and, and Ahab, and that is that both proponents of this authentic faith that Elijah represents and inauthentic faith or religion that Ahab represents, they are both determined. They are both convinced that their religion is right. That their religion is right. And that is why 
when Elijah, uh, when Elijah offers a contest to prove, to show which, which religion is right, then uh, Ahab is welcoming that idea. Yes, I want to show you that uh, uh, Baals and Asherah are the gods that we need to serve, not Yahweh. Um, <clears throat> and he sees this opportunity, of course, to get rid of Elijah. Elijah's influence in the land was great, was great. So the, Elijah is saying, now then send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel. And this is an important, historically important place for both groups, uh, northern Israel and southern Israel uh, at that time. So 450 uh, prophets from, uh, of Baal and then 400 uh, prophets of Asherah. And we meet... Uh, and, and, uh, and we meet at Carmel and then uh, offering a sacrifice. That was a usual way how you determine if your God is responding to you, if your God is a living God, if, if he is uh, a powerful God, if he can communicate. So, of course, Elijah, Elijah suggests that they both, uh, they both offer sacrifices okay, in their own respective ways, right? So, um, the God who responds is a true living God, and the God um, people should follow, okay? The other one is not. So, both groups are given a bull for a sacrifice, and each of them should prepare the bull the best possible way to please their God, to uh, initiate God's reaction. Um, now, as this was a contest, Elijah wants to make sure that a little detail is followed, or be, uh, 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 followed, and that is that no fire should be set under the sacrificial animal. So it is only the woods and only the animal that was placed on the altar, and the priest, the the the, the prophets, the 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 worshippers should. Pray to that God to show himself. And, of course, the, the, uh, the way was given to, uh, to Baal and his, um, and his prophets, and they were first ones to offer a sacrifice. And um, in verse 26 through uh, 29, we read a passage. Then they took the ox which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no wo voice, and no one answered. And they leaped around the altar, which they made. Which they made. And this is an important detail, the altar which they made. It was their creation. It was their creation. That altar was their creation. And we read something um, in verse 27, it came about at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, call out with a loud voice, for he is a god. Either he is occupied or gone aside, or is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and needs to be awakened. Um, Elijah, what we can discern from biblical texts about Elijah is that he was a Peter of the Old Testament, right? He was very passionate about God. And these people who are very passionate about God, they can sometimes 
cross the lines. Okay, so he is mocking them here, and and uh, and we can understand, we can understand to some extent why was he doing this, but certainly something that we would never do today, right? We would never do today. So they cried, even though I'm not saying that we sometimes do, but we shouldn't be. So they cried with, I'm continuing, so they cried with a loud voice and cut themselves according to their custom with swords and lances until the blood gashed out of them. When midway uh, was passed, past, they, they raved until the time of offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. No voice, no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Um, so you're, we are noticing that there was a, the, 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 um, the very long pleading with, with Baal since the morning through the evening, evening sacrifice. And Elijah is silent. Elijah is silent. So the focus is on these people. They are building their own altar. They are calling upon the name of Baal and Asherah. But nobody is responding. Nobody is responding. So um, Elijah is taking the stage in the evening. In the evening, when uh, you don't want to do important things in the in the in the evening, right? We we like to do important things in the morning when we are fresh, when our mind is fresh, when 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 everybody who is involved is fresh. When you know it's the beginning of the day, the best day to do and focus on something that is important. But Elijah gave that opportunity to these people. So now in the evening, when they are all tired, and, and perhaps he is tired, he is approaching to the altar. And, and I would read this as well. Okay. Um, and this is going to be our last text that I'm reading today. Uh, then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. So this is not creating an altar. This is a uh, repairing the altar that God said that should be erected. So God said that that altar should be erected at that place. So he is re- he's not making a new, co- a new uh, altar. He's, he's actually repairing the altar. He took 12 stones according to the number of, tr- of the tribes of sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord hem- had come saying Israel shall be your name. So with the stones he built, an al- uh, he built an altar, repaired the altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. Now when we read in the Old Testament and uh, after that, uh, that schisma schisma uh, in, in the Old Testament where the, new, uh, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, they, they, they split. We think of, of there was a, uh, a, sh- a sharp line between these two people, but that's not the case. These people communicated and there were some people in the northern kingdom who would favor and even come to the, uh, to the, to the feast in Jerusalem uh, and, and offer sacrifices according to the words of the Lord. So it's not such a, uh, such a, um, uh, a sharp di- division between these two groups. So, so he made that, uh, he made that uh, uh, the trench or the little canal around the altar. And then he arranged the, woods, the wood and cut 
the ox in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four pitchers of water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Um, this is illogical, isn't it? You want to make a fire. You don't, you don't pour water on the, on the woods that, that you want to make, that you want to set on fire. You don't do that. And um, uh, uh, you just don't do that. At the time of the offer, uh, uh, the water flowed around. Uh, so, so, uh, so do it. Uh, uh, and, and, and he said, do it a second time. And they did this a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. The water flowed around the altar, and he also filled trench with water. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came and said. So he's, 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 this is his prayer. Remember that, that these prophets, they would, they, would, they would try, plead with the Lord. They would try to make their God do something the entire day. And Elijah is, is uttering a very short, very short prayer. And he's uttering a prayer, and the, the, the sacrifice, the woods, they're soaked with water. And there is a trench around the, 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 the altar site, that is also filled with water. And everything is muddy, we can say. Everything is muddy over there. So here is his prayer. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. At your word. Uh, answer me, O Lord, answer me uh, that this people may know that you, O Lord, our God, and that you have turned their hearts back again. And then verse 38, probably interrupting his prayer, probably interrupting his prayer. Verse 38 says, Then the fire of the Lord fell. I'm sorry, I'm disregarding you totally, right? I'm just focused on the, on the front. And the, and the wood and the fell, consu uh, uh, so the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and leaked up the water that was in the trench. The Lord, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Then Elijah uh, said, and, and He destroyed, killed these prophets. So this is the highlight of this encounter, right? The first encounter to change totally how things will happen in the narrative. And then the second encounter, which culminates in majestic, in majestic display of who true God is. Of whose authentic religion is. Is it of Elijah or of Jacob and his prophets? Um, these are the two representatives of two religions, authentic and inauthentic, uh, of two religions, of two worships, true and false, of, um, of two types of influence, bad and good. The authentic religion based on the Bible, is not a matter of accident, right? But is rather a constant surrender to God, relationship that gets deeper, more meaningful every day. This is 
basic principle of success in every area of human life. Elijah's life was constant, yet imperfect, following of the Lord. It is uh, everyday lifestyle that prepared him for such an important event that we read about. So it's a constant relationship with the Lord that makes one's religion authentic. The authenticity of one's religion is tested and a confirmation of it is given every day. But it shines the most in the times of deep crisis and challenges. This is where the authenticity of my and your faith will shine the most. These challenges do not take place every day, of course, but they do happen in our lives, occasionally do happen. A representation or a display of authentic faith has such a positive, stimulating, and response-evoking influence. Many will want to follow such religion. Deeply in his heart, Elijah actually wanted that all the people present that day would turn to true God. This authentic religion is not based on human representations of how religion should be. It does not originate from human mind. But it is founded on the revelation that goes beyond of what the human mind can comprehend. Authentic religion cannot be fully explained as it originates not from human mind, but God's so much bigger and brighter mind. As much it has limits that does not always make sense to human mind. It has laws whose meaning we have not exhausted yet. The end of its program for the future of this planet is not is so beautiful, yet it is not totally clear. Authentic religion has mysterious component to it, to it which, uh, which has to be accepted and cherished because of God's revelation, character, and deeds experienced in the past. Elijah knew that God of Israel is the only true God, and he followed him. The story reveals that he was not, he, there was no doubt in his mind about this, but he had to go through the experience. He had to go through the experience. In authentic religion, focus is not on human beings and their abilities, but on God. That is a crucial difference between authentic and inauthentic religions. We should not live our religion to gain personal benefits in any form or shape, but we should all give glory to God. This is the only right thing to do as all comes from him. Our gifts, talents, determination, devotion, spirituality, all that perhaps we can single out and, 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 and view as some kind of merit, our merit before God, all of that is coming because it is God who gives all these things. It is God, God who empowers us to do all these things. Display of God's power in our lives in whatever shape and form is essential, is essential the work, essentially the work of the power of his power in us. 
I like this point. I like to emphasize this point because as I was beginning uh, uh, my, uh, um, my thoughts today, uh, some of us could conclude that, 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 that we as human beings uh, should play uh, an important role and that, and that, that, that we can do things uh, uh, in this battle because whenever you hear the, 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 the noun battle, it, it's kind of, uh, you know, you, you want to go into the battle, right? But no, no. It is focus on, focuses on God in this battle because without God, we are just, we are just um, uh, unable to do anything, let alone win. In authentic relig uh, religion, God works mightily because proponents of authentic religion are, are fully surrendered to God. Even though their lives are not perfect and they have fierce battle with sin, even though they are sometimes defeated in their attempts to serve God, God, God looks at their decision for Him and He accepts their imperfect worship and, uh, and life. How does He do this? How God can do this? Because in, tr in true, in authentic religion, God provided a Savior. God provided a Savior to do for us something that we would never be able to do. Christ, when, when accepted, is what God sees in us instead of who we truly are. God does not work through perfectly obedient, there is no such people, but through perfectly surrendered people. And finally, an authentic religion will reach its peak in the future. In the event of Christ's second coming, uh, when God's reign will be fully reestablished on this planet. So we should not expect peak of God, of, 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 God of, of, of authentic religion now, because it will not come. We are just experiencing glimpses of what God does. We're just experiencing the glimpses of, God, of, of what God does. What he will do, that's something. That's something. God does great thing, deeds in our lives now, but imagine, imagine deeds that he will perform on the day when Jesus comes for the second time. As we journey to that day, let us always remember what authentic religion is, and let us always rely on God as he is secure. He, he is a secure haven for all of us who accept him and his love. Amen.